And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Welcome to episode 37 of Down on the Docks. My name's Chris Neff, and I'm joined as always by my co-host and producer, Dave Sarah. How you doing, pal? Hello. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Uh, of course, we're coming off of a really interesting episode. Yeah. You know, uh, if you if you missed last week... Polarizing episode. episode. Polarizing indeed. And, uh, but it's okay. Once, like th- Howard Stern always said this, uh-huh. you either want to get... <laughs> Five stars uh-huh. or one star? I don't think that's the issue with our and episode. Say- because from my yes. small sample size, yes. the people that were turned off by the episode were old people. Yes. Okay? My Older mother. People. Okay? And <laughs> Gary LaBelle. Only Gary. two complaints we had. Yeah. And it was but just... vocal complaints. No, it was that language. I just couldn't I do with it. Uh, so, you know, here's the deal. We live in a world... Uh, where people use dirty words. Yes. And just because... <laughs> do you realize if we had to have bleeped the episode last week? No. How many... It would have been... I'm not doing that work. 38% bleeps. Let's, let's see. I mean, if we can get into this, it won't... Uh, that seem, that doesn't even work. Yeah, it doesn't work. But the point is, thank you uh, for uh, powering through that episode. Yes. Uh, it was... Uh, it, it's a weird story. It's a weird... And it's like... It takes you to a weird time, too, in your yeah. life. Not to get too far into it, but like it t- takes you time... To what I, I'm, I'm imagining the 80s and 90s, and yep. I remember, you know, no, no internet, and people just passing the time, yeah. and that and screaming since, at their neighbors. And <laughs> since since you mentioned it, has just kind of sparked this, like, yeah, what other weird shit did There's people so just much shit. do? Just not watching television and yeah. not being addicted to screens. Yeah, just innovated. Yeah, they screamed and called and e- called, called each other faggots and cocksuckers. Yeah, that's right. and that's how they got through the day. Queer was a big one. Um, well, how do you feel about going on uh, a mystery ride? <laughs> like Scooby-Doo? Not even close. Don't look at me like I'm Fred with a handkerchief around my neck. <laughs> oh uh, my God, Velma. Um, this is this is a fun one. Uh, this, uh, before we get into uh, this week's episode, uh, I do want to say a couple of things if you're just finding us, guys. Find us, of course, on Instagram, uh, Down on the Docks Pod. Find us on Twitter, at Down on the Docks. Those are uh, docks with a C, no mm-hmm. K. Yep, I feel bad for all those people that are like, I can't can't find you and then mm-hmm. i have to be like yeah drop the k yeah uh and then of course shoot us an email if you have any direct inquiries at down on the docks at gmail.com mm-hmm. and of course before we get into this week's episode let us know dave who is sponsoring this week's episode this week's episode of down on the docks is brought to you by broccoli farms established in 2016 in san diego california by cannabis entrepreneur anthony bird nice guy Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one, Broccoli Farms. The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego, fair prices and quality products make Broccoli Farms one of the best deliveries in San Diego for almost a decade. Be sure to mention down on the docks, that's DOCS, for 15% off your next order along with FTP gifts and rewards. What's that mean, first time (laughs) pussy? (laughs) <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. Okay. We're going to have a new one every week, aren't All we? Right. Yeah. 
Check them out on Instagram at broccolifarm619 for your first time pussy, baby. I shouldn't be talking. That's pretty I, good. I just told you a story uh, that I was playing cards over the weekend and a pretty girl <laughs> sat down next to me yep. and I took her for all of her money and she's like, will you buy me a drink? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, drink comes. It's forty one dollars. Uh, <laughs> Don Julio will do that to you a couple doubles. times. Doubles. Yeah, and double then a, Don Julio. You got away easy. If that was Hollywood, yeah, you're paying eighty. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't get off easy because twenty minutes later, after she dumped another hundred and fifty to me, she's like, uh, "You buy me another one?" And I'm like, "Yeah, why not?" Imagine if it was Tiger Thick. Oh, <laughs> watch out, Papa. <laughs> By the way, we did we did have a couple of fans uh, <laughs> notice that we got a little redacted we last little weekend. Redacted last uh, week. Sorry, it happens. What are we doing here? Uh, so without further ado, let's, let's get into let's this get week's into show. It, baby. Uh, this week's podcast is a listener request. Yeah. We love those. Um, of course, the best place to put them is in the Discord. And have- I put a new link. Yeah, there's their own section in there. Yeah. It says docs to review. You could put them in there. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Let's say you don't have Discord. Yeah. Let's say you just learned how to use email. Mm-hmm. Well, send us an email or tag us on Twitter or Instagram or DM us Yeah, because we answer well, all DM of our Chris. DMs. Here's the other thing. There is going to be a time on this show at some point where I can't answer all my DMs. <laughs> yes, okay? we're going to love all it. Right? Yes, I can't wait for that day. Now, here's the thing. They will get answered. Yes, but it will be by someone, not me. But <laughs> as for the, now, I can tell you, I am answering all of those direct messages and we appreciate them. Yes. They keep us going. Yes. Keaton sent me a great one this week. Thank you for that. But without further ado, I know I've already a you twice. <laughs> don't do me I, anymore. Don't do me like that. Anywho, what are we doing here? This is from Delirious Biscuit from the Discord. Yeah. He said, please. Speaking of sliding in the DMs, please, please cover the imposter. Yeah. Now. I watched this. Uh-huh. It came out in 2012. Uh-huh. Here's the best part about being an alcoholic. Yeah. Former for- alcoholic. Yeah. You forget. Yes. So it's like you get to do it again and it's all new. So I cool. I remember probably watching 30 minutes of this mm-hmm. on my 18th beer and passing out. Right. And then being like, I gotta watch that again. Yeah. I never finished it. Perfect so thank time. you, Delirious Biscuit comes for back the around. imposter. 2012, directed by Bart. Layton. So here's what happens. We open up on some grainy film footage and hear a young boy's voice. It's like a camcorder. Okay. And he's a little kid and he says, I want to get a good picture. Some more pictures. This is Carrie's room. This is her bed. This is the birthday girl's mattress and everything else. She even got the TV in her room. Isn't she lucky? That's my sister, the birthday girl. Ain't she beautiful? And then the the boy turns the camera on himself, and we see he's just a gorgeous 13-year-old happy boy. Okay. Don't you say know? gorgeous. No, I mean, he's a good-looking kid. <laughs> okay, he reminded yes, me of sure, me when I was sure. 13. That's gotcha. why I said Got gorgeous. It. Got it. Okay? Great-looking all-American kid. Um, and then uh, on screen, we see in 1994... 13-year-old Nicholas Barclay no, disappeared no, from San Antonio, no, Texas. Yeah, no. that's the kid. That's the gorgeous kid. Oh, I don't need Looked this like right now. We had such a good streak buddy, of documentaries buddy, where there was no death uh-huh. and destruction. I didn't say there was any death. Okay, no, I know, but like it's just uh, okay. weird to read. Strap in, okay. all right? All right. This is a ride. Okay. So next we meet his sister, Carrie. 
This was tough to me to watch because she looks like my ex-girlfriend, okay, by the way. Okay, dude. We're going to do this. <laughs> the cat looked like sweeter. Okay. Like, what's, what <laughs> no, are we no, doing no. here, dude? So the first thing that comes out of her mouth is the thought <laughs> of what somebody could have done to him, it gives you nightmares. Yes. It really does. Yes. So we also meet his sexy, mother. Sexy, sexy nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> we also meet his mother, Beverly Dollarhide. Uh-huh. Uh, now she speaks like she eats cigarettes <laughs> and says, His disappearance never made the news, and it wasn't news to them. It was just news to us. And then Carrie says, It came to that point where, you know, you're not going to find him alive, but you just want to find out what happened to him. So. What happens next is we see on the screen October 7th, 1997, three years and four months after the disappearance. We're going to go to a little town. I don't know if it's a little town. <laughs> it's in Spain. I never heard of it. It's called well, Linares. All, all towns in Spain are little. Linares? Oh, uh, yeah. L- Linares? Okay. Yeah. So we sure. hear a man speaking in a foreign language. Probably and, maybe Spanish? No. Portuguese? Portuguese? Maybe. Okay. But it definitely wasn't Spanish because okay. I hablo the Espanol. <laughs> and you hear the guy going, and then you hear the police. And the police says, go ahead. And, the, and then the man stops speaking and he, starts, <laughs> yeah. he goes to English and he goes, hello, sir. My wife and I are here as tourists. We found a kid. Oh, boy. About 14, 15 years old. He Whoa. doesn't have no ID, no documents on him. And when we got him, he was very scared. So Whoa. let's get back to Whoa. Texas. What's this happening? Beverly, the mom says, they called me at work when I was... I'm in, sorry, yeah. what year are we in? This is 1997. 97, Yeah, continue, continue. I say these things, and if I'm you sorry, listen, I'm you'll sorry, catch I'm them. sorry, sometimes I don't catch the, okay. the year. Let's Keep go. in mind, this is three and a half years after Nicholas went missing in got 1994. It. Got, it. got it. Now, here's the thing. I can't do Beverly's voice like uh, okay. a cigarette thing, to. but it's very deep. It's very grovelly. Yeah. And I later found out that she had a vocal cord uh, detachment, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to give her shit for that. Right. But it, she likes cigarettes. She does smoke. She smokes. Was she smoking during the interview? Uh, she was not. <laughs> no. Is that trash? Uh, I smoking mean, during an interview? It's a little um, unprofessional sure. when it's, you're talking about a missing kid. Sure. I mean, you don't want to look casual at any moment, sure. you know, when your kid's missing. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. You save, the, you save the cigarette for afterwards. Yeah, of course. Uh. After you find it. <laughs> oh. uh, she says, they called me at work when I wasn't there, and they wrote a message and said, someone from Spain has Nicholas. He wants to come home. So Carrie says, mom called me. I was at work, and she says, are you sitting down? You're not going to believe this. Well, we also meet her husband. This is Nicholas's uh, sister's husband. Okay. And Nicholas's brother-in-law, same guy, Brian Gibson. And he says, of course, it was mysterious. It was exciting. It was worrisome. It was all mixed emotions, you know? And Carrie says she was ecstatic, bewildered. And then she says, you know, Spain. Isn't like that across the country? <laughs> right. Yes. No. Yes. They're from Texas. Oh, the country, she said. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no. They're from uh, San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's actually another continent. Yeah. And well, she, you guys, I mean, you got me on that one. Come on. Yeah, I know. But it's like. She's nervous about her fucking kid. Well, I, she literally said, it. her, her brother, it's her brother. She says, how do you brother. get there? Yeah. You know? 
you, you have a, like a hundred thousand questions you want them answered at media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Beverly and mom says, I felt wonderful. I was excited. Yeah. Carrie says, you just want to see him, touch him. You know what I mean? Sure. And you want it all to happen now. Titles up. Uh oh. The imposter. <laughs> all right. Let's get back to Spain in 1997. I don't like this. We're going, I, I, dude, I, I don't like doing this. I don't like you getting creeped out. Yeah. Try watching it with the creepy music. Ah, so did you have the lights off? Fuck. Yeah, I did. (laughs) It's like a man, right? Yeah, it's great. Okay. Um, back to the guy who was speaking. Sure. Sure. And then he goes to English. Uh, we're tourists. We found this kid 14, 15. He doesn't have ID, no documents, but we could see he's very young and we talked to him. He's scared. We tried to get him some food, but he doesn't want it. I think you should come and help him. Police is like, all right, no worries. We're going to send a car. And then the dude's like, how long is this going to take? Cops like 10 minutes. Well, in a thundering rainstorm, Mm. we see what appears to be a young boy huddled on the ground inside of a phone booth. Okay. Next thing on the screen we see is a man who is introduced as Frederick Borden. He appears to be in his mid-30s, and he speaks with a really weird accent. I could not nail it. Okay. It's a little Spanish. It's a little French. It's a, You know what it is? It's a little bit of a, a patron the godfather, a little bit, <laughs> when he's cute. Okay. So he says, from as long as time I remember, I wanted to be someone else. Someone who is acceptable, the most important thing for me. And what I learned very fast was to be convincing. When the police arrive, I have immediately to put into their mind, they have a kid in front of them, not an adult. So it was very important for me to behave like one. Now, keep in mind, he looks 30 in this interview. Okay. This was done in 2012. Okay. So So he must have been really young. We don't know at this 15, point. 15, 16? No, we don't. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer that because I don't want to yeah. blow anything. Okay. Well, we see Oh, is he one of the kids? Back to the back to the uh, <clears throat> recreation. We see a police officer going slowly towards the phone booth in the rain. Oh no. And Frederick says, They would see me with in a big coat with younger clothes, and they would see a kid with a hat, which is very low in the ice. And the police officer opens the phone booth and he begins to speak. Do you have a light? Yeah, he's got the light. (laughs) No, I meant, Uh, do you have a light? Like a cigarette light? You got the kid. Hey, uh, you got a light on you? Okay, go on. So the the kid, which we now know as Frederick, Mm -hmm. he pulls away all scared. Right. And the police is like, tranquilo, tranquilo. tranquilo." (laughs) That means calm in Spanish. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, he's like, tranquilo, amigo. Yeah. yeah. Well, Frederick says, they couldn't see my eyes. I wanted to provoke on them a sense of guilt of being adults, adults, and to be close to a kid which is dead scared. When you see a kid that you know got nervous reflexes, that you can't touch him, you can't approach them, then you understand, you understand that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, the police officer finally coaxes him out of this phone booth and puts him into the police car. Couldn't tell if it was up front, back, but we know he's in the car. Yep. Frederick says, I wasn't the only one who was telling them I've been sexually abused. I made them ask me that by my attitude, by my way of doing things. They were the one thinking about it, and that gave me power. Mm -hmm. Well, back at the cop shop, we hear a woman asking for his name, and he just won't respond. 
And the cop's like, where do you live? It's just nothing. Blank stare. Thousand yards there. Yeah. Do you live with your parents? Well, Frederick says, I didn't speak much. It's very hard to read a kid that doesn't speak a word sometime. And the cops continue asking him his name, but he just won't respond. And Frederick says, if a cop don't know who a kid is and where it comes from, he can't just keep him in the police station. Right. And I knew that eventually they would have to put me in children's home. Right, right. And that's all they wanted. Yeah. Nobody ever gave a damn about me. And to know that if I changed my identity, the reward was eventually to put in a place where actually they really cared about me, then hell yeah, I mean, I was reborn. I mean, <laughs> I was born again. <laughs> Nobody ever gave me a childhood. Because to give a childhood, you need to love the kid. Well, sure enough, he gets his wish. Yeah. They send him to the children's home. Wow. Frederick, I felt like I belonged there. They didn't know I was 20. But like, why wouldn't they send, where, okay. Uh-huh. Why wouldn't they send him before? Why wouldn't they what? Send him to the children's home before. How do you know this was his first, okay, how do you know, know this is his first so operation? So how old is he right now? Does he say? He says. Seven? He says they didn't know that I was 23 years old. Oh, what? Oh, uh-huh. shit. I was considered like one of them. Oh, shit. 23. Yeah. Pretending to be 14 or 15. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So let's get back to okay, San Antonio. Okay, okay, okay. Beverly says, this is the mother. I told him to be home by dinner and gave him five bucks to go play basketball and he took off. Well, uh, brother-in-law, he says, this is Brian. He says, he called home asking for a ride, which is probably, I don't know, he's within a couple of miles from the house and his mother works late and sleeps during the day and his older uh, brother, Jason, answered the phone. Beverly says, when I woke up Jason, he was there and said, that he'd called and wanted to ride home, but Jason didn't want to wake me up. So he told him to walk home. And that was the last time we ever heard from him. Mm. So we know this kid was out playing basketball, mm-hmm. called home, said, come get me. Nobody came to you know give him a ride because mom was sleeping and uh, mm. he had to walk home. Oh, no. Now, <clears throat> Carrie says, you spend 24 hours crying sick and worried and then you get mad (sighs) then you get scared and then you try to get empowered you know like okay what can we do we we have to do flyers we'll do this you know instead of you know you don't just cry you have to do something positive and try to work towards a solution to find him and beverly says i thought somebody offered him a ride and he got in the car i don't know i think he would have gotten a car with someone that he didn't know and Brian, Brian says, I could see the worry and the pain they were going through. So I always said, you know, he's out there. He'll resurface. Okay. He's coming back. Well, back in Spain, Frederick says, unfortunately for me, it was one of those places, which is very rare in Spain, where actually they can't stand having a kid with no identity card, no proof of who he is. They mm. wanted absolutely to know who I was, where do I come from? They needed to know precise. If you don't tell us, if can't prove who you are, I'm going to have you fingerprinted and your pictures taken. I could not allow that to happen. I had Mm. to find a way out. So the only thing left, there was one, go to prison. Two, prove to them that I am someone. I said I was American. That I ran away. I was willing to contact my family for them. 
but I wanted to do it myself. I didn't want my family to receive a phone call from the police or the persecutor of the judge in spine. I wanted to do it myself. And I said, I would need to be in the office for the night because I live in the United States. Mm. The States, as you know, is different times. So just leave me in the office and tomorrow you'll have all you need. Yeah. So these cops do that. That's hilarious. They're like, you got the night shift, buddy. Phone's over there. Do whatever you need That's to do. Hilarious. Just call your parents. She just duped them. Lock up. I mean, the, kid, the guy's probably been on the street his whole life. I mean, he knows how to dupe the cops even. Well, he says, so I called the American police. I told them every time that I was a policeman from Spain called Jonathan Dorian. We have found a key. We are sure he's from the United States, but we don't know where. He's been maybe missing for a few years that someone must be looking for him. So the police say, well, you know, we got hundreds of posters of missing persons on the wall. We can't go through each of them. But what we can do for you is give you the number for the Center for Missing and Exploited Children of Arlington, Virginia. Wow. So next, we hear a woman answering the phone. Center for Missing and Exploited Children, Lorraine speaking. How may I help you? And Frederick says... Uh, we have a kid in a shelter, certainly American, who's about 14 or 15. But the problem is we don't know who he is. I describe myself. Every detail I gave was details that I could handle. I wanted to be vague enough for her to look at many different things. I wanted her to have many possibilities. I got maybe something she said. Maybe you know we got a kid from San Antonio mm-hmm. missing since June 13, 1994. They're just trying to rifle off by the year, essentially. His name oh, is Nicholas Barclay. Uh-huh. I said, could you send me a fax of what he looked like? In my head, I was just a police officer with Nicholas Barclay next to me trying mm-hmm. to confirm his identity <laughs> like any other policeman would do. <laughs> let's see if it's him. Let's see if it's him. I thought, let's see if it's him. So the facts, they show the facts coming through. And Frederick says, I looked at it, black and white picture, old picture. Oh, missing for three or four years. Guarantee one thing, there will be a change. If there's a change, there will be doubt. If there is doubt, then I got a chance. Something in my head decided I could do it. I had to try. I took the phone and I told her that this is Nicholas. We got him here. It's incredible. It is him. Well, meanwhile, back in Texas, Carrie says, mom called me and she says, are you sitting down? (laughs) You're not going to believe this. So fucked up. And I said, what, mom? She goes, the police department just called me and they think they found Nicholas and Linares. So I'm like, where in Texas is Linares? (laughs) Because Texas has a lot of small towns. And she's like, no, 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 Spain. I'm like, Spain? Oh, God. How do I explain the emotions? It's like all these different emotions oh, from excitement, fuck. bewilderment. To what do we do? What's our next step? How do we get him? When do we get to talk to him? Well, Frederick says, I knew that after they would contact me, they would try to verify to call to see, is it true? Is it here? Is it, you know, Carrie, the family and all that? Carrie says, well, when I first got, you know, a hold of the shelter, they put me on the phone with Jonathan Dorian. This is the guy who's pretending mm-hmm, to be, mm-hmm. who said that he worked for the shelter and that he was the one who was talking with Nicholas and had got the information from Nicholas on who he really was. Well, she's calling Nicholas, not Jonathan Dorian. Right. 
So Frederick says, now keep in mind, this guy's got to be good because he's got to coordinate this after hours. So that means I would think the cops are like, okay, thanks for finding everything. Well, they're in Spain, so the time difference. Right. So they probably let him do this multiple times at night. I mean, maybe even just one time, 12 hours. Or like, how long are they going? No, this was over a course of days. Oh, okay. But the film doesn't really explain that, you know? Yeah. So, you know, she's like, Frederick takes the phone call and says, when he she called, I said that Nicholas was seated right next to me. Plus, people were fucking stupid back then. They didn't, they weren't privy to all this shit. Well, like if they figured if you had the number, uh-huh. you knew. You know what I mean? To call them. Right, you didn't have right. numbers that you weren't supposed to have. Right, you right. didn't know what the numbers were because right. nobody ever put them anywhere. Right. Probably don't get a lot of phone calls either. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well... Frederick says, Nicholas, he's right here sitting next to me, but he's very scared and he's traumatized and he don't want to talk to no one. Carrie says he sounded very responsible, very concerned. Uh, He claims he's been abused, he's been hurt, that certainly he's been abducted. Hmm. I kind of thought he was like a social work type of person. Very reassuring, Carrie says. She said, is he saying anything? Is he talking about us? Does he remember? Well, Frederick, as Dorian says, well, actually, I think he forgot about everything, you know? He doesn't remember very much. He remember you, but not very much. Carrie says, we're told he was held up and held in a sex slave ring. And they he had escaped, and he was found wandering in the streets. This is crazy. She was heartbroken, but at the same time, she was very happy. This guy just making up shit. I wanted to hear his voice. No. Absolutely, there was no way I was going to speak and pretend to be Nicholas because I wasn't Nicholas and she was his sister. It would have been a risk, too big of a risk for me. But I did say a few words. She said, hello, Nicholas. You hear me, Nicholas? Nothing. I love you, Nicholas. I want you to come back home with me. I'm going to take you, baby. I'm going to come and get you. Maybe in the background you hear, I love you. <laughs> or something like that. You know, very, very far off. And then she said, was that him? <laughs> oh, no. And I said, yes. No. He said, I love you. This is mean, dude. And then she started crying on the phone. Oh, man. She says, I started crying. You tell him, we're going to come and we're going to bring him home. We'll get there. We're going to bring you home. Okay? And I love you, too. Yeah. I... This is weird. Frederick looks right at the camera, smiles, and he goes, I washed her brain. Oh, my God. I did not stop. I washed her brain. Because I didn't think of stopping. I didn't watch myself in the mirror and say, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Stop that immediately. He's turning Hindu a little bit. Isn't I he? know. I'm going to get him back to French and Spanish. <laughs> I realized that I crossed the line. He wasn't pretending no more to have another identity. I stole one. Yeah. Well, let's go to FBI headquarters okay. in San Antonio, Texas, and meet FBI Special Agent Nancy Fisher. First of all, Nancy looks and acts like a fucking Karen. I hate to say it. <laughs> like the like the one who threw E40 out at the at the Clipper game. She doesn't <laughs> seem like game. she's Sacramento. she's very, you know, hard boiled. Yeah. She looks like a soccer mom. Yeah. And she says, I got a phone call. Uh, would you please call Carrie Gibson? 
Well, I was astounded by what Carrie said. And one of the things I said to her was, when the FBI and the U.S. State Department assist you and get your brother back here, I have to interview him immediately. Well, Mm -hmm. next we meet Mm -hmm. a man named Philip French, who is the consul general of the U.S. Embassy in Madrid. And he says, when the welfare of a minor is in jeopardy, our reaction has to be extremely quick and responsive. We have to put ourselves in the position of the child or the child's parents or guardians. And Nancy says, generally when a child is missing for years, either the child's dead or the child is found and to find a child's not found and to find that the child is in another country is extremely rare. Yeah. Well, Philip says that made it all more compelling for us to make sure we did everything right in terms of establishing who he was and getting him back to his family. Well, Nancy says my main concern was getting him back so that my part could start and I can do my investigation right. and we could find out what really happened to this yeah. child. Yeah, yeah. Well, Philip says, I sent somebody out there as quickly as possible. This is the, the, the children's home next to the cop shop. I right. guess it's all one stop. I don't know. Okay. Wasn't really clear on that. Right. Frederick says, one stop, yeah. The next day, the next day, I got beyond my control. The Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they sent me a flyer. Oh, no. There was the picture of Nicholas at the time of his disappearance, and I saw what real Nicholas looked like. Uh oh. Really with colors and yes. everything. Yes. He had blonde hair. Oh, no. He had blue eyes. Oh, no. He looked nothing like me. Nothing. Now, let me describe to you what Philip or uh, Frederick looks like. I can already imagine. He looks like a jockey. Okay. <laughs> he looks like he should be running at Santa Anita in the <laughs> yeah. fucking first race. Yeah. Dark black hair. Yep. Fucking gap uh, in his teeth. <laughs> yeah. Dark black eyes. Brown Looks eyes. like he's in his thirties. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Receding hairline. Yeah. You got it. And he says, Oh boy. There's, you know, the only thing he had in common with me was the ad five fingers and on each hand. Then I said, fuck, <laughs> let's burn myself. Well. You know, I burned the flyer. If I could have burned the identity, that I said, and every word that had been out of my mouth for the past days, I would have burned them too. When everything tells me that the American embassy is coming and everybody's, you know, don't worry, Nicholas, we're going to take care of you. Well, yeah, okay, you know, I, I could not do nothing. The only thing I could do was to think of how I was going to be in the prison where I was going to be. I didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what to do. So he runs. Mm. he ditches the shelter yeah the adjacent cop shop set up where he goes in at night i mean the guy's fucking 24 years old he's running on the streets <laughs> well philip he says you know when the vice consul first arrived but at this point yeah mm-hmm. he hasn't really done anything technically illegal except for illegally use a children's shelter when you're of older age well he's assumed another person's identity which is yeah. pretty much illegal everywhere well, okay he did assume person's identity okay yeah, yeah okay that is illegal you're right so anyway nothing violent nothing no i uh, no. okay nothing out of control so he's on the run and philip says when the vice consul first arrived in linares he got to the center and found nicholas barclay's gone i said you got to find him now so essentially, with somebody from the Lenara Center, we just went out looking for him. And our priority was his safety and to make sure he was reunited with his family. I tried to run away like I would do everywhere else. 
In a recreation, we see Frederick running down the streets and a car pulls up next to him and says, Nicholas Barclay? And he says, and he grins, God didn't want me to leave this place. Mm. Philip says, when I spoke with the vice council and asked him about the interactions with Nicholas Barclay, he reported at the time he spoke English that he was, he was at least at that moment convinced that this was an American. Well, Frederick says, when I woke up the next morning, everything was normal. Then I saw the director of the shelter that said, well, you know, you must be happy. Your sister is on the way. So I said, what do you mean? He said, well, your sister, you know, from San Antonio. Mm -hmm. She's on the plane. She's coming to get you. Fuck, 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 fuck. Well, let's go to October 14th of 1997. Okay. Carrie says, I'd never left the country. I was 11 years old. <laughs> I was graduating Doing college. way better than that kid. I was graduating college. You're doing way better than both those kids. She says, I didn't even know what it entailed to leave the country. I knew mom couldn't fly. I was killing it in 97, dude. Or sorry, go on. <laughs> I knew mom couldn't handle the flight. She just couldn't do this. I have to do this. I got to go get him back and find out where he is and bring him home. And Frederick says... I should have thought of that. Mm. <laughs> I no should shit. have thought of the consequences. If you do that, imagine for a second that you're the father of a kid or been missing <clears throat> for three years, four months, and they find yeah. him in Colombia. What's yeah. the first thing you do? I would jump on a fucking plane. Mm -hmm. Carrie didn't sleep for two days before she got on the plane. She says she had, you know, fear of anticipation and she just wanted to hold him, wanted to smell him, you know, just get there. And Frederick says, you cannot prepare to play a role of a person that you do not know. I couldn't be Nicholas Barclay because I did not know Nicholas Barclay. I didn't even know at the moment if he was left or right-handed. So that was a problem. Right. Well, she gets on the plane. She can't sleep. And another, this is why this shit's so haunting. They show another home movie of Nicholas. He's playing and laughing. Well, Beverly says, we thought he was an adult. You know, yeah. we joked and called him 13 going on 30. Oh, never seen it, by the way. Zach Efron. <laughs> I think you're missing out. Is it a good one? <laughs> no, because, you I'm know, sure Hollywood does a lot of those switcheroo movies and most of them suck. <sighs> most of them suck. But I mean, everything. Everything is except is, big. Literally, there was a, there's a. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same. It was the first one. But the like switch with Jimmy Smith's garbage. I mean, and it's, Ellen Barkin. They're, they're essentially doing the same thing with comic books now, where like people switch superpowers, and so it's like, okay, now you're just taking Freaky Friday and turn it into Freaky a Friday, fucking, turn it into a fucking superhero thing. Anyway, they're gonna take a basketball player and turn it into the body of a referee and backwards. I see. Um, anyway, she says it was extremely difficult to discipline him. He made up his mind, and he was going to do something. He did it. Pretty much, there wasn't a lot you could do. Um, and she's right, because we see him in another home movie, and he's playing with a lighter. Okay, so, cool. He, he, looks like, Hell yeah. he looks like he was allowed to do anything yeah. he wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Carrie says he'd Playing run away. matches and shit. Fuck, get, might as well. Yeah. Who needs matches when you got a lighter? <laughs> Good boy. He'd run away from home a night or two, and mom you know, would be mad. And he'd say, I'm leaving. I'm going to go find a new mom. Kiss my ass, that sort of thing. Based. Um, and then he'd show up the next day. Well, Carrie says he was not, you know, this perfect, nice, sweet, innocent. 
He was a street smart, you know, city boy. Hmm. I thought that was a little cold. I guess. You I know, mean, that's your brother. And you're like, he wasn't that innocent. He's I 13. Mean, Who isn't? Everybody's innocent when they're 13. Uh, aren't they? If they're your kid. Hold on. If they're your missing kid, if they're your missing kid, they're just really angel. Kid, yeah. they're a fucking so angel. So maybe they found him. No. They didn't find him? They never found him. But we'll find out. I You're going to find out. I'm hoping. Okay. So Beverly said, you know, he had this beautiful blonde hair. And, you know, Carrie says blue eyes and a gap between his teeth. Oh. And when he smiled, you could see it. And, you know, like we said, the only thing that Frederick matches up with remotely is the gap between his teeth. <laughs> God. Um, I mean, just the idea that they would both get, like he would get a guy with the gap between his teeth was pretty amazing, actually. Well, I think he was working with the best he could do. I guess so. I don't think it sounded like, you know, the Center for Missing Children it's a crack was like, gap. It's hey, crack. here's 38 options of gap kids. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah it's, a, it's a crack pipe gap. <laughs> So <laughs> Carrie gets to Spain and she says, I land. And I'm like, I didn't even know what I was doing. Like, who am I looking for? Uh, what do they look like? Are they in suits? Oh, wow. You can smoke here. Thank God. Um, so I guess she fires up a cigarette and um, Frederick says, I did everything I could to give myself a chance. I bought product to color my hair totally blonde. Hmm. So at this point, He's starting to make some moves besides the tooth, gap mm-hmm. tooth yeah. to, to fit in. Right. And <laughs> he's, he's going to fucking outsiders it. Well, he says on the flyers, it said Pony Nicholas Boy. Barclay. <laughs> Pony Boy, that shit. It's such a good movie. It is. S.E. Hinton, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, on the flyers, uh, it said Nicholas Barclay had three tattoos. So hey. there was a girl inside the shelter that did small tattoos just like that. She was no pro, but, you know, she was a kid, and Frederick got her to put those tattoos that were on the flyers on him. So he matches up the tattoos from the flyer to the exact part of the body with some girl who's just got, like, the inside-the-joint-style tattoo machine, which what? I usually I think get... is a little motor, wait, wait, how old some graphite pencil. Hold on here. How old is this kid again? He's 23. Yeah, I know. But he's claiming to be 14. And the 14-year-old has a tattoo? It's the joint. It's the kid's joint. It's like, you know, yeah, there's tattoo machines in Juvenile Hall. And I'm, but I'm saying that's what he had? He had Juvenile Hall tattoos? Yeah, he's under the gun here, bro. He's got to look the part. So he... No, I'm talking about the fucking blonde, beautiful oh, kid yeah. from... Yeah. from, from Fuck San Antonio. Yeah. He had three tattoos. Okay. He's 13. Starting to get. I guess that is kind of weird, isn't it? You're not supposed to have tattoos at that age. Pretty trashy. I mean, you didn't yeah. figure that out. <laughs> no, I didn't. It kind of went over my head. Well, that's weird. That, that have happened. you ever met a 13 year old with a tattoo? <laughs> no, dude. What's happening here? <laughs> if I met a 13 with a, a tattoo, I'd give him my lunch money. I'd be like, um, are you missing your parents? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, so this was supposed to happen to this kid, is what you were saying. Is he going to give him a juice box? Fucking a! Yeah, it's like, do you want to go play Nintendo instead of? Are you are you asking me to open something for you or something? What's going on? You want me to reach something? What's going on here, little guy? He's like, oh, check out this gang on man. <laughs> yeah, you want some weed, man? Frederick also uh, took big sunglasses, uh, a hat, and a scarf and a glove. And his whole theory is, if I just cover myself up, 
she's not going to be able to figure out that I'm not her brother. Um, Carrie mentioned. Oh yeah, she's not. Carrie mentions while in Spain. You just smell like fucking Marlboros, <laughs> dude, <laughs> and fucking and whiskey. Carrie, Carrie mentions. Um, on the way there, we stopped for a Coca Cola. I thought that was really cool. They had Coke there. <laughs> so Delicious. Minutes before she arrived, um, Frederick says, "I was convinced I was finished." that I was going to get arrested and maybe beat up also because they were not going to be happy about it. I mean, you tell me that he doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> Fuck. Carrie says, I remember going into the waiting area. I'm speaking with a couple of people from home. He's a refugee. And they're like, he's locked in his room and he won't come out. Mm. Well, Frederick says, finally, when I heard someone knocking at the door and saying, hey, Nicholas, your sister is downstairs. She's waiting for you. Well, Carrie goes downstairs into a courtyard and she sees kids playing. And then she looks up in Frederick's, or excuse me, what she thinks is her brother's room. And she says, I'm here. Come here. I want to see you. I want to hold you. And then Frederick says, I was sure as soon as the sister see me, she's going to say, what the fuck is this? Oh, no. That's not Nicholas. I waited 10 minutes. I knew I was about to lose everything. I knew I couldn't wait no more, that I couldn't go away, that I couldn't just disappear. So I opened the door and I went down. And Carrie says, immediately, <sighs> it was this sense of relief. Just seeing, touching, kissing, and holding him. I said, what the hell? You know? He's here. We're here. Oh I have him. She didn't even wait two seconds. She jumped on me. She took me in her arms and said, Nicholas... Oh, you were afraid I wouldn't recognize you. Carrie says, I remember touching his nose and telling him, that nose, you kind of look just like your Uncle Pat. Oh, my God. Well, maybe she hadn't seen him in a while or something. Yeah, of course she hadn't seen him in a while. <laughs> Nobody'd seen him in a while. It's three and a half years. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Uh... She's, and she's like, we'll look for the tattoos real quick. Ah, it's him. Let's he's go. got gloves on. It's like tattoos are, oh. are invisible. Oh. All you, all, he wrapped himself up and bundled mm. himself up in mm -hmm. scarves and gloves. That's smart. Smart. <laughs> smart. She said, don't worry. Like, she always says, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be perfect. I know it's you. He was just, basically, he told me he loved me. And he didn't say a whole lot until all the people left. Frederick says, only God knows why she would do something like that. But I know one thing for sure. There is no other way. She came for me and she wanted me back. We went to the visit room and she showed me dozens of pictures. Huh. Pictures, pictures, pictures. Pictures of me. You remember, this is where mom... Here, this is when we lived at this house. We, before you went missing, remember you were playing with Scotty here. Remember, this was... And how many years has passed now? Three years? Three and a half. Okay, and he's now supposed to be like 17? Well, 13, he would be 16 and a 16 half. 16 and a half? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Maybe get away with it a little bit. Well, Carrie says, and he was like, Jason looks the same. Cody's gotten pretty big, huh? Mom, God, mom looks exactly the same. Has she put on weight? Wanted to know if grandpa was still an asshole. Mm -hmm. um, told me how much he loved grandma and he missed her. I remember seeing the tattoo, the cross, you know, right here on his hand. Right. I just kept thinking how much he looks like Uncle Pat mm. and how mom was going to be really surprised how tall he'd gotten. Uh-oh. Well, mom says 
She said that he looked very different, that he'd, you know, grown up and he's quiet now, kind of held back. He talked with a funny accent, Mm. but it was always a whisper and very quiet, like he was hiding something. Mm. I mean, God, look what he'd been through. He wasn't the same person. He wasn't the same Nicholas that disappeared four years before. He'd been held tortured and god knows what else he wasn't the, the, the yes, same yes, torture, person torture well let's yes. check in with philip french because there's going to be some legalities before they just pass off the kid sure you know the judge in lenares says we got to make sure that we believe this story before we just sign off on this obviously good good for them right oh uh, i guess bad for them since the documentary was made right the whole point is you know i'm like are they going to play 20 questions with him you know, we're going to get some sort of like physical sample, you know, like teeth, denture, or Something. what do you call it? Like uh, dental records. Yeah. It can't be that difficult. Right. You know, and Frederick said. Yeah, it's not, yeah. yeah. So now the problem was that they had the sister and the NBC official that were swearing that I was Nicholas Barclay. And there was the police and the prosecutor and the judge who were not convinced at all. Oh, wow. So the judge insists on separate interviews, okay, as part of the evidence. Um, what they had were um, the family photos. So the judge sits Frederick down and says, the only way for you to prove that you're really Nicholas is to go through these pictures. I'm going to show you five of them. And he's like, number one? Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, that's my cousin Cody. And number two, he's like, oh, yeah, that's the grandma I like. You yeah. know, uh, that's fucking Uncle Pat in <laughs> yeah, three. Yeah. I, look, I got his nose. Yeah. Can you good. see Uncle Pat's nose in my yeah. nose? A <laughs> <laughs> fucking imposter. And four is like, oh, what a phony. Four is like, oh, yeah, that's Jimmy. I play ball with him at the court where I was, you know, yeah. disappeared at. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. then he's like, five. I fucked up five, but it was too late. She already, I already, I got four out of five. She thinks I'm Barclay. Yeah, yeah. Fuck <laughs> five. Five was just it was a bad one. Yeah, it was my mom, and I said it was my aunt or some shit. <laughs> but it's okay. Five's the dog. Yeah. He's like, I called the dog Junior instead of you know. <laughs> we called the dog Andy. Ricky. We named the dog. We named Andy. the dog Indiana. Indiana Andy. Andy. So I'm such an idiot. So Philip, the consulate dude, he's like, at this point, I had to document him as a U.S. citizen. And Frederick says, I couldn't have done anything if Carrie hadn't have given me those pictures beforehand. Okay? Obviously. So whoever's fucking running the show isn't doing any homework here. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's Spain in 97. What you going to do? Well, he gets a picture taken of him with no hat, no nothing. And, of course, they see his eyes. And they're like, these are fucking brown eyes. Yep. Nichols has got blue eyes. <laughs> not the not the brown eyes you're talking about. Well, the Constitution of the United States says, you know, I got to swear him in to be a citizen. It, you know, it wasn't real, but I did it. That's what the embassy guy's dealing with. So they give him a passport. So what do they say about the blue eyes? It doesn't matter. The judge in Linares said this guy's an American. And the sister never said anything about the blue eyes? The sister fucking probably didn't get past the fact that he's still wearing sunglasses. Mm. Okay? So, anyway. They um, they stay a night in a hotel mm-hmm. before they get on the plane. Yeah. And, you know, everything's peaceful. And 
at this point, Frederick's like, how the fuck am I getting out of here? You know, I got to get away from this broad. I tell this poor lady I'm not her son, dude. So he's thinking about running, going to a train station. You know, he leaves the hotel room they're sleeping in. And then we get a little bit more backstory on him. He says when he was born, he was born into a family without any love. And he had a father that was Algerian. And um, his mom had like basically like a one night stand, knocked you know, got knocked up and his grandfather was extremely racist and was like, uh, I'm not having an Arab in my family. Mm-hmm. Get this fucking kid out of here. Uh, you go get an abortion. And um, he says, before I was born, uh, I definitely, I had the wrong identity. I was already prepared uh, not to know who I really was a new identity with a real passport. Now I got a chance to get an American passport. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about being identified ever again. Right. I saw this opportunity, you know, uh, a woman that could go through so much to come and get me back, you know, from a loving family, somebody good. I had conflicting rules in my head. Um, but you know, Carrie wanted me to be Nicholas. (laughs) Maybe the others would too. Mm hmm. And Carrie says she's wanted a boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now we're gonna do this scene where I'm your stepsister. By the way, this is your uncle Brian. Yeah, Uh, he's gonna be in the scene with us. Carrie says I didn't understand why he was so nervous. You know, he was like he couldn't. (laughs) You don't understand, huh? No, but I mean, she's reflecting at the time. Right, right. She's like, and how old is she at the time, roughly? They don't say, I'm guessing she's probably six or seven years older than Nicholas. So she's probably in her early 20s. Safe to say she was so in her early 20s. So she did want to fuck the fucking, she does want to fuck. She's married at the time. Who cares? <laughs> okay. So Always be fucking. Anyway. Um, Sorry, Gary LaBelle. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> they go home. Um, she's concerned. She's like. I don't know if mom's going to recognize him. Maybe mom's not going to love him anymore. Well, Frederick says, I thought I was going to get killed. And, you know, um, basically, it was time for them to board the plane. And she nudged Nick and said, are you ready? Are you ready to go home? And she goes, because we're getting the fuck out of here. And we got on that plane. Mm -hmm. Well, Beverly says, I was nervous, waiting for him to arrive. Um... Now, let's meet Nicholas's nephew. They introduce okay. Nicholas's nephew, Cody Gibson. And he says, I remember that day very well. Everybody loads up in the, you know, the car. Uh, we go to the airport. Brian's there, too. He says, we had no idea what to expect, but we're all excited. And they film Frederick. Well, Nicholas. They think it's Nicholas getting off the plane. <laughs> This guy comes out uh, with a scarf, uh, full gloves, the invisible man, glasses. Yeah. yeah, literally. There's like maybe two inches on his face. You can see <laughs> it's bandages. Yes, it looks like that. Is his skin all dark and shit too? Of course, he's, he's a like fucking all Spanish. Of, he's a fucking yeah. They're all white. He's, he's a different a, color. He's a dune. So, you know, 
Beverly says we had no idea what kind of person we were getting back and who was oh, like you said, he's a camel jockey. Yeah. I could say it. <laughs> what do you mean, like I said? I mean, you said he's a jockey. Oh, you didn't say what kind of jockey? He's a fucking God, camel that's jockey. Fucking brutal. <laughs> well, I ca- I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say the the one that I always say. But yeah, it's, it's okay. all right. You don't have to. Okay. You made your pun. Yeah. You made you made your casually racist joke. Yeah. I'll accept it. It was funny. I didn't get it at first. So. Anyway, Beverly says, you know, I hugged him. I told him I missed him. Um, He just changed so much. My mind was boggled. But then I realized, you know, you tell yourself he's been through all this horrendous stuff. He's going to be different. His eyes are going to (laughs) change. Remember like, hey, wasn't that a scene in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle? Like something about like the baby's eyes changing because she was breastfeeding Buddy, it. This is like is that real? This is like C. Thomas Howell in Soul Man when he goes black so he can make the white varsity basketball team in high school. Okay, mm, yeah. this is like uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic yeah, Thunder right. getting skin injections <laughs> yeah. to true masterpiece. Right, never go full tart. Yeah, this guy went full tart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, Brian describes him at the time as standoffish. And Frederick says, I never liked people to touch me, and I cannot change that. So when she put her hands around me, she must have felt that I wasn't enjoying it. I was closed. I didn't speak to people. As much as I was happy, I did not show it. I did not want to screw up. Well, Brian, of course, you know, they says, says we open him with open arms. Um, you know, let's just get out of here. And Beverly says... I watched him all the way in the car and you can tell he was uneasy. So we put on the tape and tried to make him as comfortable as possible. So they throw the Doobie Brothers on. Doobie Doobie Doob. Yep. Whoa, whoa, listen to the music. You know that one? All the time. I do. So, you know, everybody's feeling good on the drive home. Doobie in it out. Um, That's what I'm about to do. Carrie says, I couldn't keep the smile. Thanks off. to Broccoli Farms. <laughs> He says, I couldn't keep the smile off my face. Um, I just had a grin the entire way home. Um, Well, Frederick says, I finally had a family. And um, I never dreamed I'd get so much. (laughs) I never dreamed to be able to not only stay in a place, but there's one where I'm loved in, but actually to have a family. But then he says, I woke up in Texas and it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. And they showed it's a shithole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. These people live in trailer parks and shit. Yeah. yeah. Especially okay. you said, uh, what part of Texas? San Antonio. Oh, well, San Antonio is usually was. I mean, now is yeah, nice. Yeah. But like the picture that they show, you see know, like it was in the 90s. You see shitty fences and broken down like playgrounds and propane tanks out the backyard. Cool. I mean, it doesn't look like a cool but, place to go sure. hang out. Sure. And you know, looks Fred like, looks like the cousins from uh, Vegas Vacation. Exactly, <laughs> it looks like cook, that. Cooking their meat on the fucking rock. Yeah, <laughs> their That's chicken from on. Vegas Vacation. Yeah, Vegas and Vacation. The first one, they're literally making it said Vegas Vacation. Oh, okay, yeah. I was gonna say in the first one, they're making Kool-Aid with their fucking hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, I forgot about that. And fucking ketchup without ketchup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, real tomato ketchup, t- <laughs> real tomato ketchup. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyway, um, so then he finds out that he was born December thirty first, nineteen eighty. Wow, sounds uh, like they just picked the date. Like, oh, okay, last day of the year. But but that would have put him at seventeen at this point. You yeah. know, 
So, um, you know, they're like, hey, Nicholas, let's go shopping. And, you know, they drive him around town. They're like, hey, you remember, you know, Gary from like the feed joint? And he's like, who the fuck's Gary from the feed joint? <laughs> I, got bro- I got brown eyes now, if you haven't yeah. noticed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't know, Gary. They're like, you remember, and, and the brown and the brown is starting to like coming through my blonde. So I'm gonna have to bleach it again pretty soon. <laughs> they swing by the gas and sip, and they're like, "Hey, you remember <laughs> Sue? She smokes two packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah, we used to. I used to send you down here with a note, yeah, you know, yeah, for yeah, you yeah. to buy them for me. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I don't know who the fuck Sue is. So he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like trying, trying to pretend like he knows who these fucking people are. Yeah, and hey, wait, did you ever do? Did they ever note you up? My dad, my dad used to send me down to um, uh, the store for cigarettes. How old were you? Fuck, maybe eight. Same. Yeah, eight. And yeah. I was, I'm ten years younger than you too. Yeah, eight years old. Send me down with the fucking note. Yep. Cigarettes once in a while for beer. Oh, are you kidding me? You I got away swear with to beer? God. Yep. In the nineties, Montebello. Wow. Once in a while, he would do it. But maybe he tried it and it stopped, and they wouldn't do it, and they he stopped the doing way, that. The that. dumbest thing, but the I cigarettes ever, all the time. The dumbest thing I ever did was get a fake, ID, market. a fake ID in high school to buy beer. I had one at sixteen, so I'd go in and buy beer. Okay, and how tall you were you at sixteen? I was six foot, and my the ID said six four, and the guy's name was Dave Dust, <laughs> and he had this fucking <laughs> dude. And now it's my sister's first husband. And he had this picture where he looked like, uh. and here's the thing. Do you remember those fucking hats that you used to wear? Like the, 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 the Rambo style hats. He had a picture of his driver's ID, had a picture of him with the, the, oh, the duster hat. The duster They're hats. called duster hats. Wow. So I went out and bought a duster hat to complete the fucking thing. And I would wear it up high to get the extra two inches. And all my buddies, ah. all my buddies would be like, dude, we need your help. And I'm like, why? And they were like, break out the duster. duster. We break out the duster. We're we need some kegger. beers. We had a kegger. Yep. Kegger fucking Friday. We need you to go down to like every liquor store in the city and buy as many beers as you can. So I'd make runs with the duster. <laughs> Molly said she's going to blow me. I'd make runs with the duster and I never have to pay for any beers. I love it. Okay. So anyway. Uh, back back to these these people and they're in Texas and Frederick says I just told everybody that I I'd lost my memory completely okay well Brian says he's traumatized that's why he can't remember anything because all of you know what had happened to him and Frederick says I remember a sign I saw Nicholas in the picture doing this with his fingers he's just given like the like a peace sign and he was like I thought that was his way to say hello so I did it a few times to them when I was there. That was the thing I did. Hello. I was thinking to myself that Nicholas <laughs> Barclay could come back. This is weird. Hello. He starts getting paranoid that Nicholas Barclay could come home. Yeah, while right. he's fucking there. Imagine. Yes. But then nothing really is going to happen. What do you mean nothing's going to happen? I mean, he just, uh, they'll just kind of let him go. Oh, like, they'll just be like, like, oh, yeah, he had two, two Nicholas like, Barclays. He'll be like E.T., <laughs> throw him out in the, the woods, closet. give him some Reese's pieces. <laughs> yeah, dude, keep him in the, in the, you'll live in the laundry. Okay. So anyway, that's what he's a big, foreigner. Who cares, dude? <laughs> he says, my biggest fear is Nicholas is going to walk in, open the door and say, hey, I'm back. Let's play one-on-one for your, for your job. <laughs> so for your fucking- the family says, we're just going to get him in a normal routine. That's going to be best for him. You know, you eat breakfast, you do something. You eat lunch, you eat dinner, you get a new tattoo, 
Then you watch a movie. <laughs> you watch a movie. Then you go play basketball. And um, uh, you say you want to ride home. We don't come back come and pick you up. And you come home and you get abducted again. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. So anyway. <laughs> Ryan yeah. says, we just, I just hung out with him. I take him along. Drives. Yeah. And I blast the music. So did he have any like best friends at the time? Yeah, his cousin <clears throat> Cody. He makes friends with cousin Cody. Okay, okay, okay. okay. And, um, you know, they're hanging out. I guess Cody bought it, you know? <laughs> apparently. And they, they do teenager shit. They go to the mall. Yeah. Uh, apparently started liking a neighborhood girl named Amy. Cool. They talk on the phone. Um, He's committing. Wow, I didn't think about that. He's, <laughs> He's committing. Committing. <laughs> Fucking rape. rape she's twenty. Well, he's twenty-three. <laughs> Amy's probably sixteen or seven. Uh, totally statutory. They don't know. They don't tell us if he ever hooked up. Uh, but Yakuda. Yeah. So, um, Fred says. Frederick says the the only person I did not meet was Jason. Now, Jason, if you'll recall, uh, is his half brother. Uh, okay, so brother of Carrie, uh -huh. brother of Nicholas. Well, one day Jason comes home, and um, he says he didn't look at me like Nicholas. Um, and he was just like, oh, good luck. I'm out. <laughs> and I'm at that point. I'm like, what? Yeah. How could that be your response after three and a half years, you know, to have no interest? So Carrie says, we didn't even talk about what happened to him over there mm. because we felt like he's going to open up to us when the time's right. Yeah. Let's get back to uh, the Karen sleuth from the FBI. Okay. She says, I didn't receive any telephone calls from the family saying, hey, Nicholas is back. Uh, can you come over and talk to us? Uh, we need help. And I felt like it was imperative that we get him interviewed ASAP. Mm -hmm. So I agreed to meet Nicholas at the San Antonio Missing Children's Shelter okay. for an interview. Okay. I introduced myself to Nicholas and then told him why I was there. And that purpose was to find out his account of his kidnapping mm -hmm. so we could find his abductors. Now, all I knew about Nicholas was that I'd read somewhere on a missing poster years ago and then looked at them again. Um, now, that not to say people can't change in three years, but this person in general did not appear to be 16. Yes. He had a shadow of a beard. Yes. A dark beard. Um, I doubt Nicholas would have had a, a shadow of a dark beard at the age of 16. And right. if he did, it's going to be blonde. Right. So he's nervous and he's uncomfortable with me the whole time. I would imagine. Well, Frederick steps up the game. Yeah. He says, I told them I was taken by military overseas and I was abducted, put in van, then flew over to some places that I never knew where I was. And I was kept in little rooms with different kids. And Brian says, he said he got chloroformed and they wake up and they don't know where they are at. Yeah. So Beverly says they were subjected by high ranking military officials to sexual abuse. Jesus. This what? is the story he came up with. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And Nancy's reading from the transcripts and she and says, it's probably true in some regard, probably, but probably not in this dirtbag's head. But I do feel bad for him because he probably is a child of the streets. Well, he, according to Nancy's report, he said every night all of the kids were raped and molested by oh, the men. Oh the men were American, Mexican, and European. Yeah, yeah. And he, they broke his hands oh. um, with a baseball bat. Oh, um, brutal. And then on top of that, 
according to the, the report, they burned him and gave him insects to eat. Ugh. And they broke his left foot with a crowbar. Oh, fuck, man. Frederick says, we were tortured. I was raped. Um, Beverly adds, his fingers had been broken. And Brian, brother-in-law, says, they keep key, these kids in line with these military scare tactics. Jesus Christ. Frederick says, we were experimented on. Yeah. Uh, Carrie says, they put needles in his eyes. Ah, God uh-huh. damn it. Dude. That was to change the eye color. That's the thing he came up with. Okay. And I know, like, again, he's making all this shit up, but I can still feel it. Still happened. They put him in rooms with headphones on their heads, blasting yeah. music in uh, different languages nonstop. That's pretty cool. Spanish speaking. <laughs> and on the loop, it said, you are not you, over and over again. Mm. Um, if he spoke English, he was beaten. Um, the kids were mm. moved around in military planes. They never knew where they were going. And, of course, they were changed. The identities were changed by hair color, eye color, and other ways, according wow. to Nancy. Um, these people were always in uniform, and there, there was a solution that they injected into their eyeballs. And, of course, they would sell uh, the, the kids for sex. Yeah. And nasty stuff. Yep. So during the interview that Frederick has with Nancy, he says, and he describes his escape here, he says, the door wasn't shut and I left by that door. I ran into a big hallway. There's another door. Mm. Somehow I managed to get outside and I ran and I ran and I ran. And hours after that, I discovered I was in Spain. <laughs> what? Yeah, so Frederick uh, Frederick a says, likely story. Frederick says she was professional, but you could see that she was horrified. Well, Nancy says this was a horrendous interview. And when I left, I was shaken by it because it had all the horrific emotional side effects that go with listening to such a story. Right. He knew about this type of activity. I mean, a normal person doesn't sit down with a story and make up horrendous. That's not what you lie about. Right. You don't go into detail about torture and the murdering of children. None of that seemed normal. Mm. And Brian says he was tortured. I mean, he had torture written all over him. He had a broken hand that was never medically attended to. He walked with a limp and he had cigarette burns from the back of his head all the way down to the back of his ankles. Jesus. That's wow. Some, that's some dedication. That's bad, yeah. On either part, whether you're doing it to yourself yeah. or someone else is doing <laughs> it. Um, so and he had some shitty tattoos now. Three. He got yeah. three. Yeah. Um, they don't go into detail about where the other tattoos were, except the one on his um, hand that was okay. a cross. Yep. So we don't know what the other tattoos were. <laughs> um, Nancy says this person... Uh, had either been the victim himself or he was a fantastic actor and I didn't know which of those titles applied to him. Right. I let them know that I was very sorry for what had happened to them and we were going to locate the people who had done this to Nicholas and put an end to the trauma he had been through. Uh, Frederick says, this was the last border. It's like you, I won. You know the game is over. I had passports, everything in the family. It says I am Nicholas. Nobody is investigating me. Nobody was suspicious that I know. Hell, I was happy. I was, you know, I couldn't believe my luck. Well, not for long. Yeah, I bet. It's time to meet my favorite person in the documentary, uh, a man named Charlie Parker, 
who is <laughs> Charlie Parker. I know, great name, right? <clears throat> who is a hard-boiled gumshoe private eye. Mm-hmm. Okay? So when we meet him, he's in his Cadillac. You ever see the Lincoln Lawyer? Oh, uh, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it's not the best-looking car. No. It's like a fucking... <clears throat> It's a Cadillac that's been around the block a few mm-hmm. times. He's uh, probably mid-60s, white hair, a little overweight, hair slicked back. You can tell this guy has worked some serious cases. Okay, I like it. And he says, I got a call back in November from a television producer from Hard Copy. Uh-oh. And he said that a boy who had been missing earlier for four years had turned up. And he wanted me to track him down so they could interview him. Well, first I... Had to find out where the mother lived, found her, and we drove to the north of San Antonio to do the interview. Well, Nancy says, I had repeatedly asked him, please do not contact the media. Right. If anything that Nicholas happened to be true that he was telling us, if there was anything accurate to that, if there was military involved, the last thing we wanted to do was, you know, put it on the front page of the newspaper or television so that his abductors would know that we're starting an investigation. Well, too late. The story gets out. Uh, This is Eyewitness News at 10. He disappeared without a trace three years ago. Tonight, a San Antonio boy is back home. Nicholas Barkley is now 16 years old. He vanished when he was 13. He was kidnapped and taken to Spain. He's been beaten, raped, drugged repeatedly, all a part of a sex slave operation involving dozens of missing children. Uh, Reporter 2. Well, Bob, the FBI is not taking the case lightly. The reason? Somehow, a 13-year-old boy from San Antonio ended up in Spain without a passport. Nicholas got into a fight with his family, so he came here to Fort Sam Houston to play basketball. Two young boys approached him, and they started talking. The next thing they knew... There was a cloth over his mouth, and Nicholas passed out. Mm. So he claims his captors changed his appearance to make him unrecognizable. Oh, boy. And while he's captive, he, of course, can no longer speak English. That they ate that shit up in the 90s. Did they rape you every night? And he says, me? No, because they didn't rape me every night. Some of them they liked more. Some of the kids they liked more. They raped them usually two or three times a week. So in the present, Frederick says, I wanted the media's attention so that I could make Nicholas more real, that people would really believe I am Nicholas and they would love me mm-hmm. even more wow. for that. I had it all figured it out. Charlie, they, they, they set him up, put a microphone on him and uh, had the cameras on him. And I moved over behind a booth and it was almost fate almost fate behind the booth was a picture of the actual Nicholas Barkley. <laughs> and I could look at that picture yeah. and look at him at the same time. Yeah. And I looked at the picture. I noticed that boy had blue gray looking eyes uh. and this man had brown eyes. Mm-hmm. Here was a moment where the hair stood up on the back of my neck yeah. and there was something wrong about it. Uh-huh. Frederick, I did what they wanted me to do. Something was wrong about it. <laughs> I said, can you give me a picture of his ears? Oh, shit. It's always the ears, dude. I need to get a picture of those ears. Yeah. Well, I've read in Scotland Yard using that method. 
to trace down a man, James Earl Ray. You know who James Earl Ray is, right? Uh, I don't know. Killed Martin Luther King. Okay. Okay, yes. They caught up him <clears throat> in Heathrow Airport and identified him by his ears. Mm. And I knew the ears mm. were means of an identity, almost like fingerprints. We can go into so many conspiracy theories with the ears. I put the picture in my pocket and I took it. When I got back to the office, I put the pictures in Adobe Photoshop. <laughs> they were different ears. They're different ears. And I knew right away, absolutely, this was not Nicholas Barclay. And you know what? Charlie's right. Yeah. We see his little Adobe Photoshop action. They're definitely <laughs> two different sets of fucking ears. You could tell by the line. That's how they say, that's how they know that they think Epstein's um, murder might have been faked. Who's the, they, the, Dave? The the body that they take out, yeah, the ears don't match. And then also, there's a really good one of JFK uh-huh. and uh, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter? Same person. Would you like to cite any sources? Just the From ears. QAnon? No, 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 but who's these days? Yeah, just go you? look it up, dude. Okay, no, that's a little harsh of me. It um, was pretty fun. Well, Charlie says, I thought I had a spy. I thought I had a real... Honest to God spy. Why else would a guy come here and take the place of another person? What would be his reason? I phoned Nancy Fisher. I said, this guy's a fake. It's not him. I said, the ears do not match. Nancy says, you need to be very careful that you don't intrude on a federal investigation. People aren't used to hearing you talk about somebody's ears. Wow. (laughs) I think she's taken back by that. She didn't know what I was talking about. Now, at this point, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. The feds are involved. They can't figure shit out, but they got backwoods Charlie Parker fucking putting the pieces together, and they're like, don't intrude on our shit. Mm. You know, he's done more in 10 minutes than the FBI's done in two months. And Nancy says, all the FBI is doing is making sure that uh, their cover isn't blown. They're like, uh, man... (laughs) The guy who actually took the what's the kid's name? Nicholas. Nicholas. He's like, uh, was that one of our guys? Yeah, yeah, that was one of our guys. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, that was Operation Coup d'Etat yeah. in a third world country. Mm-hmm. We had to get the kids <laughs> to yeah. butter up to the military Damn to get right. close to the regime change we were working on. You know it. Anyway, she but trust me, they wouldn't tell Nancy shit because yeah. Nancy barely made it into the FBI. Right, right. <laughs> okay. right. Yeah. So she says, I thought I didn't have a right to question. You know, their statement, because this was a family member. Right. Because how could they be wrong? I mean, no one would be wrong about something like that. What do they want? I already got the fact he doesn't have the same ears. Yeah. Why would you ever take in a stranger, Nancy asks? Not just a stranger from another country, but a stranger from another country who speaks with a French accent. Now, Keep in mind, it's not French. I yeah. knew that much. Yeah. You know my, you know my French accent. Yeah, I guess. This is not a Frenchman talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a guy who's all over the map with his accents. Right, right, right. So He's been around everywhere. You know, Nicola. She says it has to be him. It ha- Nancy says this has to be Nicholas. Charlie, it is an outrageous thing. I cannot have talked to anyone that hasn't read about this that said, "Wait a minute, I know my own kind." I know my own son. I look in his eyes and tell. It's like when you <laughs> it's yeah. like when you go to a class reunion and you see the kids you haven't seen in 20 years. 
Yeah. Well, life goes on like this for a while, and Frederick becomes a part of the family. Wow. And he says... Stockholm Syndrome. But who's got the Stockholm Syndrome? The parents? The parents. They're being held captive. It really began for me, the American dream, when I look at that big yellow bus to go to school with the other students. He's 23. He's calling it the American dream. (laughs) Oh, hey, guys, I got a fake ID. (laughs) How many French adults go to American schools for kids into a yellow bus? That was impossible. You could do that in a movie. Yeah. But not for real. I finally succeeded in becoming a kid again. Officially with a passport. To have a second chance to be able to... This guy sounds like Michael Jackson. (laughs) To be able to go to school and to succeed this time. Well, he started going back to high school. I was really worried. I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, this was a case. I mean, this was a real case. Now, Charlie feels... Not only did he solve the mystery. Yeah, he's fucking Columbo over here, dude. Yeah, but he stumbled onto a fucking score of a case. This guy. He's Matlock. Yeah, but he's cool as shit. Yeah. This guy was lying about who he was, and here his family accepted him. I expected him any day to blow up something. Like an air base or do something at the That's army right. He's base. like an Arab. That's right. He's a fucking Arab extremist, dude. He just thinks he has a spy. Yeah. You know? Well, Nancy says she's pulling teeth trying to determine who kidnapped Nicholas and what were the circumstances surrounding this kidnapping. I almost had no information because all the information he gave us was very, very general. So... If it's general, Nancy, you know, why don't you call on his superior? Yeah. Do some shit. He couldn't give names, couldn't give places, couldn't give times, he couldn't give anything. The family was told the reason that we were taking Nicholas to Houston was because he'd been through trauma. Mm. So he deserved to see a forensic expert to deal with the trauma. So let's go to Texas Children's Hospital and meet Dr. Bruce D. Perry. Cool. Well, Perry says, initially, I thought this is going to be a forensic interview with the intent of finding out more information about the people who abducted him. Yeah. Well, here was this pale white kid, and I introduced myself, and he spoke back immediately. Uh, Something in me just said, this is not right. Mm. There's something wrong here. Mm. I speak with him for a long time. He asked me to repeat all the stories I'd been telling everybody. I remember people grabbing me. And putting me in van. Hmm. I went to sleep and I woke up in a room. There were other kids. I didn't see the same physiological change in his body posture, in his pupil size, in his heart rate that I normally see when somebody is talking about a traumatic experience. He could not speak English without an accent. That told me about his development of the brain and the development of language. You just cannot be raised for the first six or seven years of your life in an English-speaking home. (laughs) And later on... 14 years. Go to juvie. Get juvie tats. Like, this guy's going to speak perfectly English. Eight, nine, ten years later, not be able to speak English without an accent. I can guarantee you this kid was not raised in an English-speaking family. Of course. You know, I don't know who he is. 
but the person who I was interviewing could not have been Nicholas Barclay. Yeah. That's crazy. Nancy. Okay. Fucking wacky 90s people. The worst scenario just showed up, and I don't like that. The investigation did a 90 degree. I think she meant 180. Yeah. Okay. Well, you never know, I guess. I don't know. With her, it, maybe it's 20 degrees because this isn't enough information to say, obviously, nah. this kid's a fucking, you know, yeah. spy. We're almost at a U-turn. <laughs> one, just, more, one more 90 return will be out of u-turn it just went unless it's to the right then we got to make it left another left now you lost me okay it just went from one place to another <clears throat> i immediately called carrie and i said to her carrie dr perry has just stated that this person cannot be your brother okay for that fact he's not american okay <laughs> this could be a dangerous person <laughs> She shrieked and screamed and said, oh my gosh. So I said, don't be at the airport, okay? I will handle it. I will take care of this individual. And you don't have to come pick him up. Just go back home. And she said, okay, okay. Well, big reveal time. Well, you ready for the big reveal? Okay, tell me. So Nancy lands in San Antonio. Uh And guess who she sees standing at... The exit. Don't tell me it's Carrie. It's fucking Carrie. <laughs> All right. It's fucking Carrie. Nancy says that she acted like we never had the conversation. And she yeah. was excited to see him. Oh. Ask him how his trip went. Uh. And I just stared for a minute. And I'm like, <laughs> what do I fucking do? do so she calls the U.S. attorney right there. And she's like, I don't know what to do. There's no protocol for this. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm a, I'm a special agent, but they don't teach you this in the manual. What are we supposed to do? Right. And the U.S. attorney says, let him go with her. Yeah. She welcomed this person home just like it was her brother. I didn't have any clue as to why she behaved in this manner because of my conversation. I said, this person's not your brother. Well, Carrie says, I don't think, I don't remember her putting it in that kind of words. (laughs) I mean, these people must be going through some like shock and PTSD also in or, some sense. Or is there something more to the story? Oh, don't tell me. Well, Charlie says, well, maybe they wanted him so badly to be their son that they said he was their son, but it was starting to get ridiculous. Yeah. I couldn't let it go. There's no way in the world I could let it go. So I started going around the neighborhood and finding out about the real Nicholas Barclay. Right. Interviewing the neighbors, trying to find out what I could about the boy and about the family and what was going on at the Mm -hmm. time. You know, why would a Nicholas left? Hmm. Well, let's meet Nicholas's neighbor, Allie Hollister, because she might have some insight why this family of fucking morons is acting like a (laughs) bunch of fucking morons. morons. She says the police used to usually come by maybe like twice or three times a month. Mm. Either it was an argument with the kids or with the boyfriend or with the other son. Mm-hmm. Well, Charlie says, I spoke to everyone and they all said that Nicholas had caused trouble, mm-hmm. had come home late at night. Mm-hmm. We all have arguments with our family, but it's rare that you have an argument and call the police, that it's so bad that they have to come. And it made me think mm. there was something going on more than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. Of course it did. Now, Dave, I bet you've been wondering, 
why don't they just give the kid a fucking DNA test? Yeah. Maybe pull, pluck a piece of his hair, yeah. match it to the baby book. Everybody's got a baby book with a clump of hair in it. Yeah. You know? What state are they in? They're in Texas. Yeah. Why wouldn't they do that? Well, Nancy says, I knew that DNA samples would prove that he wasn't Nicholas Barclay. Yeah. Mrs. Dollarhide said, this is my son. I do not have to provide blood samples for your DNA. And I'm at the house and she laid down on the floor on her back and said, you cannot pick me up and you can't make me. Mm. Well, Beverly says, I didn't want to go anywhere with the FBI, but I don't remember refusing. Okay. Nancy, I was stunned. I'd never yeah. seen a reaction yeah. like this before. She wasn't just apathetic. She was hostile. Right. Beverly, to be honest with you, I really have no idea what I was thinking at the time. My main goal in life was not to think. Carrie, we didn't need to prove who he was. We knew who he was. Right. Well, Nancy says, I no longer see them as a grieving family, a victimized family. I saw them as a very questionable family at this point. There's no reason for them to accept a stranger into their lives unless there's something to hide. That would be the only reason. Something was being hidden, and I didn't know what it was. Fuck. Any guesses? Gross. What they could be hiding. They accidentally today. killed the kid. Very good guess. Yeah. Well, Frederick says, when Beverly refused to give her blood sample, I started to become suspicious. Oh, fuck me. They knew I was not Nicholas. <clears throat> fuck, man. Whatever I was telling them, they did not believe a word of it. But they were good at not showing it. Man, that's so fucked. Oh, my God. All right, continue. I uh, want to hear now. I mean... Not that I didn't want it before. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't see it. I remember in Spain, Carrie did everything for me. When I didn't know something, she told me, you forgot everything, but you're going to remember it now. And you know, this is mom. This is the place we were living in. Do you remember? Oh, this was Chantel. You remember Chantel? That's your niece, my daughter. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? <laughs> over and over and over and over again. That's Jason. <laughs> That's Jason. <laughs> Getting a little more French now. Is that Jay's son or Jason? Jason. She wanted to put it in my head. She wanted it to put in my head so I could never forget. Right. She just could not wow, say it's not Nicholas. What a smart bitch. God damn it. Did she believe it or not? If you ask me, I would say no. Not for a second did she believe I was her brother. Fuck. She decided I was going to be her brother. Mm. It's like I woke up in a place where lies are even bigger than what I did. You know, it's they pretended as much as I did and crazy. even more. That's fucking crazy. Well, Charlie says, I keep thinking about Nicholas Barkley. <sighs> At the time of his disappearance, he was living with Beverly in a house on Swallow Street, and his brother Jason was also living there. So we meet Nicholas's childhood friend, Kevin Hendricks. And Kevin colors in Jason a little bit. He says, Nick's older brother, Jason, when he moved into their house, the house changed. 
because before he got there, Nick and his mom seemed very close to me. She loved him to death. I mean, she loved him. You could tell. He was the light of her life. And then this guy moved in. He was a bum. Yeah. A drug addict. Man. And he only cared about himself. And when he got into that house, it just made things that much more worse. In mm. fact, I think it even pushed his mom into doing drugs herself when he moved into the house. Yeah. That house just became a volatile situation altogether. Well, Charlie, being the intrepid reporter he is, he's got the microfiche out. Yeah. I don't know where he got it. Mm -hmm. He's in, looks Back like the, the library. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie says, I discovered the police file a couple of months after the disappearance that Jason had called the police and said that his brother had tried to break into the house. Now, this is after he left. Well, we see that kind of thing all the time. People... People are constantly doing stuff like that to make people think this person's alive. I started to put two and two together, and I thought something happened inside the house to that boy. Mm. Frederick, I did not need to be Columbo to figure it out. <laughs> did you actually say Columbo? <laughs> he did. I was that like, how the fuck does he know about Columbo? Oh, yeah. You know? And he said, I did not need to put the pieces together, Columbo style. <laughs> he doesn't say Columbo style. <laughs> he just threw that in. They killed him. Some of them did it. Some of them knew of it. And some of them chose to ignore it. Fuck. I wasn't worried about Nicholas coming home anymore. Oh, man. Well, Nancy says neither Nicholas or his mother were cooperating at this point. So we're going to have to get a search warrant executed in order to obtain the blood samples. Frederick says, I could not pretend no more to be Nicholas and act like Nicholas. I took two or three other agents out with me to go pick him up. So inside me, I started getting, you know, more and more aggressive, weird. I couldn't go on pretending. We got the fingerprints and we got the palm prints. Within a few weeks, we'd be sending them out to Interpol, yeah. to the embassies, to see if any of these fingerprints match anything that they had on record. Right. I was trying to find a way out, not only of San Antonio, but a way out of my mind. Nicholas was becoming more and more agitated and angry. And I really felt like he was going to run away. And if he ran away, we're going to have a really hard time locating. Well, Charlie yeah. says, I started tailing him. Mm, smart of him. I started following him. I started sitting up on Beverly's place. Now, I'm, not, I'm thinking to myself... How's this guy affording to do this? He's not working for anybody. This is just his own desire at this point. He's probably yeah. retired. Retired, sure. But he's, a, he's probably, this is his blood. Yeah. He says, I started sitting up on Beverly's place where she lived and writing down license plate numbers of all the cars that came to see her. Well, at this point, Frederick takes a razor blade to his face and just starts slashing his face. Oh, my God. He's losing his mind. Oh, boy. Nancy says everything was snowballing. Ugh. I show them, show them that under a great deal of pressure I am. Well, on March 3rd of 1998, oh, man. It's fucking rough. Um, Spain calls and Damn. says, we identified him. Yeah. And I said, you're kidding. He's 35. <laughs> Get him the fuck out of the house right now. Frederick says, I knew that everything. He used to play baseball in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> I knew that everything was going down and it was just a matter of weeks. 
Nancy, he said, what I'm going to do right now is fax you everything I have. Well, Charlie says he gets a meeting with Frederick. Wow. He says he agreed. He, I got so many characters in my head, I'm losing my fucking mind. <laughs> well, he's, he's got to clear himself of this fucking murder now, dude. He said, he doesn't need to catch yeah, no murder charges yeah, either. He needs to admit to not murdering somebody. <laughs> yeah, right now. To somebody. It doesn't yeah. matter who the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He agreed to meet with me. We ordered hotcakes. What are hotcakes? They're, those pancakes. are pancakes. I <laughs> just want to make sure pancakes. And we started to eat. And he said, I said, you really make your mother angry. And he said, she's not my mother, and you know it. Ooh. And I thought, well, I'll be damned. I'll be damned. Well, Nancy says, I'm standing there by the fax machine waiting for it to come in. And as soon as it does, I start screaming and jumping Did up and down. have six names? <laughs> Dude. We'll get there. Okay. I actually said, well, I'll be damned. You're going to finally tell me who you are, aren't you? I'm nobody. <laughs> Nancy's doing her dance, and she's like, we're related. We finally know who this person is. Charlie says, my heart's beating fast, just like it is now, just talking about it. And I said, who are you? He said, I'm Frederick Borden, and I'm wanted by Interpol. Well, Nancy says, the fingerprint cards told me. He was 23. Yep. That he was not American. <laughs> he was French. Mm. He wasn't Nicholas Barclay. He was Frederick Borden. We grow up in America thinking Interpol is this sort of god of the cops. <laughs> no. You follow me? <laughs> That's the highest step you can get in cop land. <laughs> no, it's not stupid. <laughs> telling you dude this guy is so cool Fucking idiot. he's probably misinformed i know but he's on the case of his life yeah, dude i know he's doing it pro bono i know he's doing it for the glory poor guy and so i thought jesus christ if he wanted by interpol what has he done <laughs> you know there's no limit to what he's done so he began to tell me well let's take a look at his rap sheet uh-oh Numerous false identities. Okay. Known for passing himself off as a juvenile. Okay. Has traveled through Europe extensively, appearing in shelters for minors under different aliases. Okay. Uh, it goes by Frederick Bear, Benjamin Dianison, Jimmy Peter Manfred, Herney Wright, <laughs> Thomas Wilson, Marco Fernandez Fernandez Pyrenees, <laughs> Alex Ross, Benjamin Kent. He's been to Glasgow. Uh, he's been to Italy. Is there any, like, uh, remember Cable Guy? No. Uh, when he goes off the list, they're just like, Chip Douglas, Chip Douglas. And just starts naming off, like, obscure television characters as, like, his fake name, as his false oh. identities. It's weird because I was watching uh, a doc on a famous um, uh, con man by the name of Matthew Fox. Mm. Uh, it's a quick segue. It's White Underbelly, if you want to ever see their interviews on uh, YouTube. And he named all of his criminal uh, names that he created uh, after um, um, like Mr. Brown, Mr. Blue mm -hmm. from Reservoir Dogs. And then he also used C. Montgomery Burns oh, God. as a name for a mortgage application. And he goes, I was so, I couldn't believe the judge didn't find that funny. Yeah. And Simpsons, he's like, right? Yeah. And he's like, you're a con artist. We're yeah. not going to laugh at you. Yeah. Anyway, he'd been in, uh, he claimed to be Australian. Uh, Italian, <laughs> Uruguayan, uh, mate. <laughs> um, noted suicidal tendencies, physical or mental condition may require immediate or professional care. There's a note here that he always wore glasses. No glasses were seen in this documentary. Interesting. Uh, self mutilation, 
uh, possibly need psychiatric help. I sat there. I could hardly eat. I could hardly swallow my food. Wow. Well, March 4th, 1998, four and a half months after arriving in the U.S., we finally see Frederick being handcuffed. Wow. Settle in because we're about to share a story with you that's so bizarre, it's hard to believe it's true. This is hardline? This is the report from the local news. (laughs) This is the tale of a master imposter who managed to lie his way into the United States and prey upon the most vulnerable of people. Oh, boy. Get this. He is the only person in U.S. history ever to have assumed the identity of a missing child. Wow. That's a first. Yeah. He fooled the lost boy's mother, and it's hard to imagine how he could have gotten away with it. Well, Beverly says we knew it was going to be, you know, heart-wrenching, but we never thought it wouldn't be him. You know, why would we even think that? Carrie says the first feeling was complete sadness because it wasn't Nicholas, which took us back to square one. Where is Nicholas? Mm. That was the first one. The second emotion was, how could I be so fucking stupid? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Right. Well, because you didn't listen to the FBI agent after they told you you were being a fucking moron, you yep. fucking moron. Mm-hmm. And then you pretended to say, I don't remember the story going down like that. There's something going on underneath the surface of this thing. There has to be. Yeah. So Nancy says, uh, or excuse me, Frederick he contacted the police department on his own and he said, I had to tell them that they killed Nicholas. Oh fuck. So he reaches out to the cops and says, Hey, uh, you know, I'm not the best guy in the world and I, you know, I'm here illegally, but this family that I'm pretending to fucking be a part of, they murdered Nicholas. Yeah. They clearly killed their son. Well, Nancy says based on Frederick's allegations, they indeed launched a homicide investigation. Wow. Um, And the allegation was against the family members uh, being participants in the disappearance of the child. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So Kerry says, it was relayed to us that while Frederick was in jail, that he said my mom confessed to him that her and Jason killed Nicholas and hid the body. Oh, boy. Beverly says, they accused me first, and I totally freaked out. Um, I've been crazy before, but never violent. Well, we see Charlie. He's out cruising in the neighborhood. And this is just a gorgeous shot. Okay. Someone's filming him inside of the car, like you'd be in the passenger seat. Right. So you see his profile, and he pulls up to a house, and he parks the car. And they just leave that shot on the house. And Charlie gets out of the car. You hear him walking. You can't see him in frame. But he says, this is the street the kid lived on when he went missing. That's the house right there. And I think the boy's buried here. Wow. I'm going inside to talk to Daryl. Oh, boy. He's agreed to let me dig and see if Nicholas is in the backyard. He's agreed? Mm-hmm. And who's it's that guy? the new homeowner oh, of the, the house. Oh, the new homeowner. Fuck. And what year is he doing this now? Present day. Which is? 20- 2012-11-ish. Well, Nancy says if Beverly knew that his individu- um, that this individual was not her son, then she had to have some type of ulterior motive. Yeah. It had to be something very scary for her to accept a stranger into her household <laughs> posing as her son. <laughs> to suck on her t- nipples <laughs> for milk. <laughs> he was 13. It wasn't five. Are you sure? I mean, five's too old, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So let's think about this, okay? okay? Let's say you did have something to do yeah. with this whole fucking thing. Yeah, I'm fucking bringing motherfucking right. French children Are over. You? <laughs> Motherfuck, hell yeah, yeah. They're coming. I'm coming. I'm coming to pick you up, son. I'll be right there. I'm so you're going, going along I'm with going. this whole fucking Fuck thing. yeah. I'm showing them pictures. Uh, yeah. I'm labeling things. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting that tattoo I'm, perfectly done. Hey, we'll, You're we'll, getting some blue contacts for him. We'll pin your ears back. Don't even worry about it. You're, you're going to fucking look great. We'll have that mustache lasered and everything. He's getting an allowance. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're like fucking whatever you want yeah. all the time. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I guess that is the answer. Then. Yeah, yeah. What's that, what was that weird shit you were playing with? Let's, I'll get you more of that shit. Let's go. <laughs> oh, did you want the new Dreamcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, what's the name That's of the game you want? Is there a Madden game I yeah. can get you? Because yeah. I guess my whole point Nintendo? is... Let's go. Let's go. My go whole on. point is if this does happen to somebody... And randomly. That's so crazy. I like mean, the, it's insane. The serendipity. They're yeah. like, Lord Jesus called us down. They knew we made a mistake. And I and I prayed to Jesus every night. And he's and he sent me a child from France. <laughs> <laughs> and, then me- you, and then you got the brother who comes by and yeah. he's like, Oh, what's up, dude? I don't think that's you, but I'm out anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'll see you guys in another six <laughs> yeah, months. Man. He's like, okay. uh, can you forward my mail? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway. They're like, I don't know what the fuck's going on over there at that home, but I'm leaving. Anyway, um, Charlie's out in front of this house, and we're going to switch back to Nancy. Um, you know, she's talking about how what we just discussed. How is it possible for this to happen? Yeah. Well, she says, um, I gave Beverly a lie detector test. Okay. Well, she passes the polygraph, and the polygraph polygrapher, as we know from yes. past episodes, says, I don't understand this. I don't understand how she can pass this. Will you give it to her again? Well, psychopaths usually can do that, but okay. Well, he gives it to her again, and she passes again. Mm -hmm. And Nancy says, there's something wrong. Well, let's get back to Charlie. He gets out of the car. He doesn't walk towards the house. Okay. We're just still seeing this picture of the house inside the car. You hear the trunk open up, shuts. He grabs a shovel. And he just starts walking to this house. Okay. So Nancy says, the third time we gave it to her, she flunked every question. Big time. She took a pill. The polygrapher said the machine practically jumped off the table. He, her answers appeared to be false on everything. Okay. Now, I don't know how you've breathed the machines. The only thing I've ever heard is the thumbtack in the shoe. Or, you know, some sort of sedative. Something, yeah. But yeah, I know it's extremely tough to do. But, of course, we know that psychopaths or sociopaths are probably going to have the edge here on yeah. fucking icing them. Yeah. Um, My brother, I bet, can pass every lie detector test. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Schizophrenia, probably. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I I mean, t- he told me. I'm telling you, he told me. Right. <laughs> makes sense. I get it. <laughs> Charlie makes it up to the front door of this house, knocks on the door. He's holding the shovel. <laughs> so Nancy says, I turned to her and I said, Mrs. Dollarhide, it appears you know where your son is. It appears you know what happened to him wow. and some other questions. Wow. And that's when she became aggravated, agitated, jumped up and ran out screaming. She fucking, he's like, that's some heavy shit. You go, to, you, go you give him the, the shovel themselves like you dig them up that's 
I'm confusing you. That's okay. Charlie in front of the door with the shovel. Right. Intercutting back to Nancy and the fucking. Oh, thing. I see. Okay. You're confused. But me there. I, I did, but this is brilliant filmmaking. Okay. Because of the way it's cut. It is just your 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 heart is racing going yeah, yeah, back yeah. and forth between Charlie, this amazing character who you could never cast. You'd have to cast him because yeah. he's just so unique. Yeah. And Nancy talking about Beverly. Well, Beverly says, I lied about stealing, and that's why I failed. I didn't lie about anything to do with Nicholas. It was the other questions. So back to Charlie. Yeah. Daryl, how you doing, Mr. Parker? Ah, sure is nice in here. So this is the house, huh? Yes, sir. Well, Nancy says the polygraph led us to believe that she did have information she could provide that she refused to. And we felt like Jason had information. Now, remember, Jason is her son, the older son. Yep. If Jason did do something to Nicholas, I don't know about it. And I can't imagine Jason ever doing that. It's not in his makeup, but I do not know. Well, Carrie says, I know my brother and my mother did not kill Nicholas accidentally or on purpose. Whatever Frederick said, it never happened. Well, let's get back to Daryl's backyard. They're looking at the backyard. And Daryl says, when I first got my dog, he was always digging in the back corner over there oh, where the tree is. Fuck. And one day I was mowing and I saw like pieces of plastic, like a tarp material coming up. Oh, no. I tried to pull it up to get it out and it just kept ripping. And uh, I never paid any attention to it, gave it any thought <sighs> until last night when I was speaking with you on the phone. Fuck. They walk over there. Charlie's like, this bush been here a while? I mean, he's literally got the handkerchief out, oh, whopping no. off the sweat on his forehead. I mean, it's a what's in the box. You feel like you're watching Seven at this point. Yeah. What's in the box? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nancy says, I had initially tried to get a hold of Jason prior to Frederick's arrest, but I couldn't. Yeah. And then when I finally get a hold of him, I asked about the disappearance of his brother. He seemed totally apathetic about the disappearance of his younger brother, extremely apathetic. And he didn't care that he'd come back and been returned. But when he did see him, no, that wasn't his brother. But he didn't seem interested enough or excited enough to tell his mother and sister, that's not my brother. They just wanted me to believe. So the testimony is Jason said, this isn't my fucking brother. Yeah. And the family doesn't want to admit to it. Right. So is that excluding Jason at this point of maybe being involved in a murder if there was one? Because if he did murder or have knowledge, he would have joined the party and said, oh yeah, it's my brother. So now I'm thinking, maybe. is it just... Mom, is it just Carrie? Are Carrie and mom out to fuck Jason? Let's get back to the backyard. So Charlie's on his knees, crawling towards a bush. Yeah, looks like a good spot. Let's see. Say dumps him here first. And then he looks up. Oh, yeah. This is good. Oh my God. He's reenacting this is the whole good. thing. He's reenacting the whole thing. Well, Nancy says 
He was hostile, refused to help in any way. And later, uh, he went to a drug rehabilitation center. And you ready for some bad news? Sure. Dies of a cocaine overdose. Aww. So Carrie says, I think that Jason became a perfect scapegoat because he's not here. He died, so he can't even be questioned. I mean, he can't defend himself. Back to the backyard. Charlie picks his spot and starts digging. Mm -hmm. Beverly, it's a nightmare. All this stuff is coming at you. And none, I'm going to remind you how she talked. And none of it is true, but nobody believes you. Or they think that you had something to do with it. And it's like getting in trouble for something you didn't do. Yeah. You know, when kids tell you, I didn't do it, you're wrong. Yeah, right. But I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, right. So creepy the way she talks. Right. Nancy says, I do feel like the family knows Nicholas's whereabouts. I think that Beverly Dollarhide and Jason Dollarhide knew at one time what happened to Nicholas. Carrie's pissed. She's like, show me one piece of evidence. Show me one thing that will lock anybody up. Just one piece of proof. Back to the backyard. The ears. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the backyard. They're making progress. They're about four feet deep, oh. and Daryl's in the hole with them. Oh, fuck. And they're digging away. Yeah. Carrie says the biggest, funniest one, the most hilarious, is that when we went and picked up a complete stranger to hide the fact that we killed Nicholas or someone in my family killed Nicholas, when... Through four years that Nicholas had been disappeared, we were the only ones looking for him. Why would we go pick up a stranger to hide something that didn't need to be hidden? Mm. Well, we see Frederick getting out of a police van in a jumpsuit wearing handcuffs, and he gives the camera the double thumbs up. <laughs> Creepiest grin on his face. Carrie okay. says it's just another one of his lies. Well, even from behind bars, he continued to lie to families of other missing children. So in the joint, I don't know how this is fucking possible. Okay. He's in a jail cell with its own toilet and its own phone. Do mm. you know how they make jails with you get your own phone? Mm, I guess. He's calling other parents of missing children saying, I'm in jail and I'm your son. My oh boy. So he's still going and he's making all these calls collect. Claiming to be lost children. <laughs> and you know they're going to be it's picking up. based. Hell yeah, <laughs> dude. That's cool. So, <clears throat> like, I'm going to be out of here in a couple of years. Can I come back home and live <laughs> with you guys for a little bit? Connie Chung gets an exclusive with him. Mm. Why'd you do that if you don't have any information about these missing children? Uh, no. But you get on that phone and you're calling all over the world. Yes. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? He just doesn't answer. Mm -hmm. And Carrie's like, look, he's a habitual liar and it blows my mind that anybody could take anything that comes out of his mouth as truth. So then we see his mugshot. It is literally eyes <laughs> up to the right. You can almost see just the, the whites of his eyes yeah. and it looks bizarre. <laughs> they don't, apparently they don't give you retakes mm -hmm. on mugshots. Nope. So not to smile either. Uh, Carrie says he put us through enough already. And then for him to do this while he's in jail for what he's done and to cause more pain to our family, fuck him. Yeah. So Brian adds, 
this kid comes and says he's Nicholas and then turns around and says, these people that took care of me killed me, killed him. How do you come up with that conclusion? Well, the investigation into the dif- disappearance of Nicholas Barclay closes due to mm-hmm. a lack of evidence. Right. Nothing in the backyard yet? We'll We're still there. digging. We're, well, we'll get there. Okay. It's gonna, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to match up with the end, like, Half okay, obviously. I can't lie to you. They didn't find anything in the backyard. Fuck. Now, normally I would be disappointed. Yeah. I'd be like, fuck, this is bullshit. Yeah. But the way it's shot and the, the sequence of editing, it has you riveted the whole time. Wow. <clears throat> um, because of the just the, the tension that this director built up in right. telling this story. Um, we do see Frederick in jail uh performing Michael Jackson crotch grabbing moves yeah to um one of his big hits i forget which one he's convicted of perjury and fraudulently obtaining a passport eh. guess how much time you get for that eh, 200 days six years oh jesus double Christ. the recommendation under law I, mm. i'm surprised they even had a law for this exact situation i guess they do um <coughs> frederick he looks at the camera he says i don't give a damn what other people were thinking or what Dude, uh, living in that cell is probably better than fucking going back to wherever he was. Well, I guess I care about myself just about myself and fuck the rest. Yeah. So he was eventually deported to France in oh. October, 2003. Uh, three months later, he attempted to steal the identity of a missing 14 year old named Leo Bailey. Okay. Uh, he now lives in France as a 15-year-old. <laughs> he has, no, he got married. Yeah, wow. He's got he married a woman and he's got three kids. Hmm. Um, oh yeah, back to Daryl and Charlie. Mm-hmm. They're just in the backyard still digging. Yeah. And then the last thing we see is Nicholas Barclay is still listed as a missing person. Yeah. So the case is closed. Um, but what a fascinating story. It's a the good way one. it's told. Yeah. You're constantly putting yourselves in the family and the parents' shoes. Right. And you're, you 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 want to scream at times. And then, you, you, like I said, normally you feel like that ending's a bait and switch. It's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just telling the, the, the doggedness of Charlie and his quest to find every stone unturned. Because apparently the cops aren't doing anything. Right. And the FBI didn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I've got some background I, I do want to share. Let's go. Um, he was born June 13, nineteen seventy four. So that makes him forty eight. So he was twenty three when all this happened. So he was effectively playing six years older than himself. Yeah. Um. Um. He okay. So he goes back to France in two thousand three. And after assuming the identity of Leo Bailey, who was a 14-year-old French boy, um, the cops over there got their shit together and pulled out a DNA test and said, no, (laughs) so fuck you. And then in 2004, he's in Spain again, claiming to be an adolescent named Ruben Sanchez Espinosa and claimed his mother had been killed in the Madrid bomb attacks. God. Uh, Of course, the police... Figure that one out. Pretty Report easily. him back to France. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, he's getting free meals, though. Yep. 
Um, he passed himself off as Francisco Hernandez Fernandez, a 15-year-old <laughs> Spanish <laughs> Hernandez orphan. Hernandez Fernandez. This is a year later. Um, spent a month uh, in a junior high school in France and claimed his parents had been killed in an accident. Jesus Christ. I mean, God. fuck. At that point, he is 20... He's 35. (laughs) And he's hanging out in junior high school. And they're passing him, dude. But my point is, why? Why Uh, in the fuck would you even want to put yourself through junior high school again? He just, he's fucking. He's fucked. He's fucked in the head. Um, So then um, he dressed as a teenager and uh, covered his receding hairline with a baseball cap and used a depilatory face creams Hmm. and a school unmasked him after seeing a television program (laughs) it's like it's like a francis most wanted or whatever they had one of those they're like not today fuck face (laughs) and according to interviews he uh borden has been looking for love and affection and attention he never received as a child uh he sure so that's like his mission in life is just to find love. Yeah. Well, he got love with this woman, had three kids with her. Uh, her name was Isabel. Aww. And they have five children now. Wow. Um, in March of 2017, Borden made a Facebook post stating that Isabel had left him for another man. Good oh, for boy. her. Yeah. Uh, pro- hopefully a younger one. <laughs> Not a pig. <laughs> and um, uh, cl- she claimed she had been unhappy for 10 years. <laughs> and very unhappy in recent months. He claims that she left him with their children. Uh, the status of Isabel and the children is currently unknown. Mm. Uh, according to the Daily Mirror, Borden claimed he would never impersonate anyone again. Um, so then I found a really interesting article that was written by a gentleman um, by the name of David Grant, who was a staff writer for The New Yorker. And he uh, asked Borden after Isabel left, um, he said, are you going to become a new person again now that you're a father and a husband? And he replied, no, this is who I am. Well, at least he's uh, extremely self-aware. Well, I've also got some... um, a uh, couple notes I took from his extensive interview in the New Yorker magazine, some things that jumped out to me, some things that the documentary didn't answer. So one of the big connections that Borden was able to seal the deal with is he found out that Nicholas went missing with a pink backpack, and that was part of the story that he had told the, uh, the people in Spain. He said, I mean, he must have went out and got this pink backpack, you know. Um, um, This is also very, very interesting. Um, According to him, now this is tough to tell because we know he's a fucking compulsive liar and all this shit. But um, his, uh, Beverly Dollarhide, she was a heroin addict. Uh, She'd struggled during Nicholas's youth to get off drugs. After he disappeared, she began to use heroin mm. and was addicted to methadone. Despite these difficulties, Carrie says, Beverly was not a bad mother. She was just maybe the most functioning drug addict. So that's not um, 
Borden saying that, that's Kerry corroborating that mom was a, yeah. a heroin, had a major heroin problem. Carrie mm. uh, did say in many ways she was an ideal mark. Um, my daughter has the best heart. This is Beverly speaking about Carrie rather. Right. Uh, and is easy to manipulate. Carrie never traveled outside the United States except for parting in Tijuana. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> and was classy here and was unfamiliar with European accents oh. and with Spain. Um, He's just from Mexico. After Nicholas disappeared, she had often watched programs about lurid child abductions. In addition to feeling the pressure of having received money from her company because her company paid the trip. Wow. They were like, you don't have money. This is before GoFundMe's. Yeah. So the dollar store puts a pool together awesome. and says, let's get Carrie to get her fucking yeah. brother back. Yeah. But I like the way Beverly's just kind of throwing Carrie under the bus going, you know, she's the one that got set up. And it's like, no, bitch, you let the fucking kid, you know. She should answer the phone. But here's the thing. I <clears throat> yeah. also found out in this interview, when the kid came back, he stayed with Carrie and Brian. He didn't even stay with mom. Oh, so the kid wasn't under the mom's care because yeah. check this out. She worked the late shift at Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. So she, she, had to. she had to because he slept during the day. Yeah. So it's hard. To, yeah, it's, hard to, it's hard to work during the day when you're on heroin. Yeah. It's hard to get up. It's pretty easy to go to work on heroin, though, at Dunkin' Donuts, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bourdain admitted to this reporter that in order to become Nicholas, and to fool the family, he had to learn everything about him. So when people were gone, he'd go through the house, rummaging through drawers, picture albums, and even watching home movies. Um, speaking of his mother, uh, he says, for all of the disagreements he had with his um, natural-born mother, he was still longing for her. So he was actually reaching out to her when he was pretending to be the son in Texas and she hung up on him, she's probably like, man, my grandparents were right. I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I should have had your ass aborted because you oh fucked God. up. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> who knows, who knows about her mothering instincts either. Um, so back to Jason, um, there Parker had figured out that there are many incidents, Charlie Parker, I've figured out there are many incidents of the cops arriving at the Dollar Heights home. Mm -hmm. And Jason had told an officer that his mother was drinking and screaming uh, at him because her son ran away. A few weeks later, Beverly called the police again about what authorities described as family violence. The officer on the scene reported that Beverly and Jason were exchanging words. Jason was asked to leave the house for a day and he complied. Uh, Police received another call, this time from Jason. He claimed his younger brother had returned and tried to break into the garage, mm. fleeing oh, yeah. when Jason spotted him. This is that report they were right, talking right, right, about. Right. In his report, the officer on duty said that he had checked the area for Nicholas but was unable to locate him. Um, Borden says he wondered why Jason had not met up at the airport uh, when he made his first appearance. And this, again, goes to Jason's testimony um, saying that when he came for a visit, he was standoffish, willingly gave uh, Borden a hug, but eyed him warily. 
After a few minutes, Jason told him to come outside and held out his hand to Borden. A necklace with a gold cross glittered in his palm. Jason said that it was from him. It was like he had to give it to me, Borden says. Jason put it around his neck. Then he said goodbye, and he never returned. Borden said it was clear that Jason knew what happened to Nicholas. For the first time, that's when Borden began to wonder who was conning who. Now, Mm. believing Borden was a spy, Nancy Fisher reached out to the CIA saying, this is a potential threat and I need your help in identifying him. The CIA wouldn't assist me, she says. I was told by a CIA agent that until you can prove he's European, we can't help you. Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie, according to this article, had worried about her supposed uh, half-brother's self-mutilation and instability, um, was no longer willing to let him stay with her. And at that point, that's when Frederick moved in with Beverly. Uh, by then, Borden claims... He looked at the family differently. One time when he was staying with her, Borden alleges she got drunk and screamed, I know that God punished me by sending you to me. Oh boy. I don't know who the hell you are. Why the fuck are you doing this? So um, remember the po- uh, the polygrapher? Yes. The three, the three <clears throat> polygraphs? Yep. Well, <clears throat> according to this article... Not only did she fail twice, but she admitted that um, she had been on methadone, um, other possible narcotics while taking the exam. Um, and then it wore off. Yeah, maybe. The third one. Maybe. Um, so, yeah. This is interesting. And I'll leave you guys with this. This isn't the first time this has happened. In the United States. I believe it. I thought it was. Do you remember the Clint Eastwood movie, The Changeling? No. Oh, if you guys haven't seen it, it's great. It took place in the 20s. And it was uh, a nine-year-old boy named Walter Collins went missing in LA. And six months later, after like a nationwide manhunt, a boy showed up claiming he was the woman's missing son, Walter, and he'd been kidnapped. The police were positive it was Walter. And a family friend testified that things the boy said and did would convince anybody that he was the missing child. Well, Walter's mother, Christine, when she went to retrieve her son, was positive it wasn't him. Obviously. The authorities and friends persuaded her to take him home. She brought the boy back to a police station a few days later, insisting, this is not my son, and later testified his teeth were different. His voice was different. His ears were smaller. Ears. Ears again. So there you go. Uh, but the authorities thought she had been um, suffering emotional distress. And even, <laughs> they didn't take him back? Dude, they uh, institutionalized her, put her in a psych ward. Oh, my God. And even then, she wouldn't admit to that child being hers. Until when? Uh, one, she killed herself. I mean, Jesus hold Christ. on. She said one thing a mother ought to know was the identity of her child. Eight days later, she was released. Thank God. Evidence soon emerged that her son was likely murdered by a oh, serial killer. Great. And the boy claiming to be her son confessed that he was an 11 year old runaway from Iowa who in his own words thought it would 
would be fun to be somebody you aren't. Yeah. So there you well, go. He wasn't 23. No, no. And by the way, I'm sure the cops, some, some dirty LAPD was involved in that one. Yep. So there you go. There's the imposter for you. What'd you think? Great, great fucking story. Yeah? Yep. Would you you watch this documentary? No. Come on, dude. (laughs) I don't watch documentaries. I listen to them. Done by you. Well, what do you give it? It's four. It's four. Four. Straight up four dockings. Love it. When your palms are sweaty like mom's spaghetti, you know you're doing some four-star treatment. So, guys, if you're out there, Go check out this documentary. Thank you again, Delirious Biscuit, for delivering mm-hmm. a heater of a story. I'll talk and, to you in DMs, buddy. Um, and let us know your thoughts on this one. Obviously, the tone can change on this podcast, uh, but we have fun regardless. And we're always looking for a shout out. So do um, reach out to us in the Discord. Uh, of course, tweeting is always a fun time. Um, we always respond down on the docs at Twitter and down on the docs pod at Instagram. Yep. Dave, remind us who the show sponsored by, if you don't mind. Broccoli Farm 619 on Instagram. Thanks right. a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, guys, we will see you next week for episode 38. That's down on the docs. Hope you're off to a great week.